Welcome to this week's episode of the Zoom Green Room. I'm your host, Anne Meehan. Please take a seat in a lovely velvety, dirty, gross chair, but save the best velvety gross chair for our very special guest this week. He is a former first soloist at the National Ballet of Canada. He was a soloist at the Stuttgart Theatre Ballet. He went to the National Ballet School. He has won multiple awards. He is a choreographer. It is Robert Stephen. Robert, thank you. (laughs) This man has the patience of a saint, ladies and gentlemen, because let me tell you, we're doing this for the second time. I'm just going to put it yes. out there. Yeah, let's just call a spade a spade. This is our take two. Uh, yeah. But and I'm still delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's Thank an God. Only you. Thank you yeah. very much. <laughs> well, and it's a pleasure to talk to you. Now, I'm going to start with a, a very serious question. Do you understand that you're featured on the Tourism Burlington website? Yes. And the reason I discovered this, which I'm just going to come out and say this because I think we've all been there. Uh, I was Googling myself and it came up. And you know what? I'm also uh, really honored to to be there, though. At the end of the day, I... It comes up there real high on Google, too. (laughs) Well, I think that's why, because I was designing my website and I was like, oh, I wonder what if you Google, if you like see me. My website doesn't come up, but Burlington does. And yeah, I I love Burlington. It's my hometown. You know, they have this amazing theater there now. So I've been in an opening gala of that theater with some of these great people from Burlington. And my parents still live there and it's a great place. Your parents still live in the house you grew up in or different? They do. They live in the house I grew up in. And I've got like a terrifying nightmarish childhood bedroom closet that (laughs) still needs to like have a dumpster come by. And so, I mean, I myself have emerged from there a long time ago, but the stuff remains. The mental and physical waste. Yes. Just remains <laughs> hanging around in that closet. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> you start going to ballet very, very young. How young? Yeah, three was when I started taking Me lessons. Too. Oh, cool. Just Look like at that. us. Yeah. 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 Same yeah. page. You um, got better. <laughs> but I was in there, Robert. <laughs> I'm sure you were also amazing. Yeah. So I started going, I'm the youngest of three and my parents are the most amazing people. They put us in every conceivable extracurricular activity. And, you know, we were in the Hamilton Children's Choir and we played sports and we took piano. But the thing that I was really into and spent most of my time at the dance studio um, because my older sister was going and I was doing these routines to Gene Kelly in the living room. And when I was three, I finally got to go. You know, um, right. So, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, you have to be at least three to get into the studio. It, true. Yeah. Get I serious. Was, I was just banging on the door before then. So I did that and you know, ballet and tap and jazz. And then when I was 11, my teacher, Linda Collins, she had gone to the National Ballet School as a student herself. So she always sent students every summer to audition. So I went and I got accepted and I was terrified of moving away from home and Burlington and my family and jazz class and everything, you know, but all I also had this intense new 
feeling of belonging because I'd always been the only boy in all of my dance classes. And suddenly I went to the National Ballet School and there was all these other little boys there who also liked to dance. And basically my parents met with Mavis Staines, the director, and uh, they came out to meet me afterward and said, well, you kind of have to go here. This place is perfect for you. So It was hard leaving home uh, so young, but it was, yeah, I would do it again. And and I, I got to go home on the weekends and things. Some of those kids are going from, I had classmates from, you know, BC or Halifax. And then later in school, international students, like it's very hard when kids can't even go home at Christmas, you know. Did they have the same kind of, like when I was in ballet, it was sort of a um, this royal standard grade one, grade two, and then Ah, you get up to pre-elementary, elementary. elementary. Was it that kind of system in the, like, how does it work? The grading and the... Well, you know, I did that in Burlington with Miss Linda. We did RAD. Yeah. But um, no, at the National Ballet School, they have their own syllabus. Okay. Um, So I would go through the, the levels of the NBS syllabus, level two, level three, but it wasn't like a a preset class or anything because these these teachers are all you know former professional dancers they're all experts they've been teaching for a long time they they craft their own classes accordingly sure but we would have exams every that's what I wondered like tests and yeah for sure there's an exam in March where you're yeah you get um kind of critiqued by the whole faculty and then there's a the spring showcase at the end of the school year so there are some opportunities to (laughs) be stressed and also to get to perform (laughs) (laughs) yes I guess that would I thought of this would be at the Oliphant Betty Oliphant theater do they use that Mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah exams were not my favorite uh part about because they always shipped in the scary lady from England who would just watch every every part of your body with laser vision and she was real yeah. serious so yeah no, no cracking a joke <laughs> to get out of this you know <laughs> that's amazing yeah. yeah no there's it's so much weirdness and I always wondered if it if it translated into that the school with the I think it's sort of a thing with small town dance schools even though they're doing the the it was just this sort of this systematic like this is an exam it's the biggest day of your life we're hairspraying your shoes on right and then because we've hairsprayed your shoes on and you've got to get in the character shoes real quick you've got scissors at the back of the room and you're cutting yourself out of them and then you're like it was just so the stakes were so high intensity on like like nine ten (laughs) eleven year old kids isn't it so much pressure it seems like a lot looking back at the time i didn't think about it but now looking back i'm like that was a little wild yeah. So, I mean, we had pressure, but just like, you know, make sure that your uniform is tidy and your shoes are clean and yeah, all this you're, stuff. Well, but you're it, at a whole different level. That's what I think right. it is. It's not these little ballet schools. This Now you're in. And it's yeah. not a question of if you can pass, like, on a certain day, one certain test. Right. Because I think that the whole staff would kind of adjudicate us on that one day. But much more broadly it was your teacher who had you every day that year who would have way more say in what class you got put in the next year and you know if you got reaccepted and and all things like that right so we go we go through the national ballet of kids we you i (laughs) don't you transition 
almost right away into the National Ballet of Canada professional right. company. Yeah, I was I was really lucky to get into the company. I I graduated high school uh, and then because it was after grade 12, I was only 17 at the time. So I was very young and really not cooked. And, and the school does have a post-secondary program. So I stayed on at the school for another year. I was there. So then from grade seven, all the way to this post-secondary year. And then James Kudelka was the director of the National Ballet of Canada, the company at the time. And I had worked with him when I was a student uh, because I played the little boy Misha in the Nutcracker for two years in a row, which was, what you know, were that? just right. my dream. Um, what year 90, was that? 98 and 99. My God, I, I might have seen little, you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? We went almost every year. I'm going to say it was you. For sure. Yeah, you saw me. We were there. In the we were state. there. Yeah. So I did that. And then I also, um, James also picked me to be in, in this show, The Contract, um, in which I got to play the Pied Piper when I was in grade 11. So I'd kind of worked with him, in, been in his shows as a student. And then he very generously hired me into the company probably before I was even really ready <laughs> when I was 18. That was kind of my in. And and then funnily enough, he my apprenticeship was his last year as the director. So almost immediately upon my being hired, the power transitioned over to Karen Kane as director, who then I worked for for the remaining um, 13 years. And yeah, it took a, a little while to, to get to know each other, but it ended up working out amazing. And I the first time that I noticed you on my radar and a lot of other people did too, was the first year that the company did Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. You were the Mad Hatter who was a tap dancer. Yeah. That made a splash tap dancing and ballet. Yes. So here I have to also give a shout out to Burlington and to my studio, Linda Collins (laughs) and my tap teacher, uh, Joanne, uh, because that was, why I knew how to tap, um, but I had never really kept it up at all through my time at the National Ballet School, but it was in there somewhere. I think when you learn things as a child, kids are sponges and yeah. elephants, you know, and we just remember things. So they had premiered Alice in Wonderland at the Royal Ballet in England, and one of the principal dancers there, Stephen McRae, is also this incredible tap dancer. And so our company had bought the show and then I guess realized, oh, wait, we need someone who can tap dance. So they asked me and obviously I said, yes, I was kind of becoming known for saying yes to doing weird things. And I think, you know, we did that show several times over the course of a few years. And the first time it was probably still a little bit, a bit rough, but I think by the, the second or third staging we did, I was pretty happy with my tapping. We They brought in a tap coach, Candace Jennings, to work with me too. And she was amazing. And it just, it gave me this opportunity to, um, I don't know, just discover this whole other area of my dancing that you would never expect to encounter in a big classical ballet company. And it you really stood out. It was the standout part because that was so memorable and it was so unexpected. Yeah, but you know, my claim to fame from that is not being on stage in it, but being on the Rick Mercer <laughs> report the for that. Mercer report teaching Rick how to tap dance. <laughs> yes, like yes. all these years, like, yeah, 14 years in National Ballet of Canada. Like what, 
the person knows me for when I first meet them is, oh, I saw you on Rick Mercer. Um, then that, I was, I looked at that this week knowing we were going to do this. Robert, you look like a kid. And well, then I, I looked still at the look date like, and it was about 10 years ago. Yes. So this is, yeah, I should do a journey through time because <laughs> sure, yeah, uh, we're a on a podcast. We, we can't see me, but uh, yeah. So when I joined the company at 18, I probably looked 12. And then when, you know, 10 years ago, I probably looked like 18. And then now I'm 35 and I look like really tired 22. So it's, that's kind of how my life works. Yeah. Mercer, of course, Mercer make sort of takes gentle fun all the way through. And just because he's a kind of a chunky type that can't get your costume on he says what is this man a child yeah in- <laughs> oh like, yeah oh. <laughs> he was really nice though I mean oh, we good. did that in one afternoon but it's like yeah. it was so interesting because in front of the camera he's like hey he's like so animated and then off camera he was just like super kind and like um just like calm like oh, oh that's good yeah. yeah. How does your day work as a dancer? Okay. You know, it was like yeah. this weird switch. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it's, it's definitely a great, sh- it, he, I think the hype does help people get interested in whatever he's presenting. Right. And that, mm-hmm. I mean, I was thrilled that the, sh- the company was on the show. Did I think the show needed help? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Something <laughs> in the box office. I didn't really want any more help with the show, but it was too late. It was on TV. That was mayhem the first year. Ramming it. It was, yeah, it was the wildest show I've ever been at that theater during. Oh, yeah. Like, we would arrive for class hours. Like, I'm talking hours before any curtain went up. And there are people lined up around the block to try to get tickets to Alice in Wonderland. Like, that was, that was next level. I've never seen that at the ballet. The rush, right? We have these standing and rush. And now, Mm -hmm. like, today, (laughs) years later, you can get you can get rush tickets online, but at that oh, cool. time it was all in person. And so yeah. the crowd, we had people coming and setting up like lawn chairs at four in the morning, which oh I've never God. seen for any other ballet, like for a ballet, you're sitting yeah. outside at four in the morning. That's cr- It's like they're lining yeah. up for Beyonce tickets, or something, <laughs> right? Like exactly. you don't expect that. Exactly. <laughs> it was. It was great. I mean, a lot of people got turned away, but I think that just hypes up the the magic even more, right? It was this mm-hmm. ticket, this magical ticket everybody wanted to get in. It's for. like the one you can't quite get. Yeah. You know? This is how Anne and I met. Is because we worked together at National Ballet of Canada at the ballet. Yeah. Everything yeah. is beautiful. You dancing behind the glass, you dancing inside the theater. It's all mm-hmm. a, a cooperative dance around to get it is a cooperative dance party. <laughs> thousand people crammed into that room sharing germs, which at the oh. time we did freely. We didn't mind. Isn't right. Just thinking about that right now <laughs> when we're each in our like private rooms and yeah. not talking to anybody like this is insane yeah i know i it's funny i you know we had a very busy show right before covid it was angel's atlas oh, and yeah. that was a hot ticket and the shows mm-hmm. were all sold out i think back now because there was a lot of there's pens there's stuff like that and this was like the middle of march and i just think we are so lucky that none of us got sick that's crazy like two thousand yeah. people a day going through there i was living down there that you know what i mean and i'm just like wow and it I'm was really going lucky. around for sure at that time right of course like, of yeah. course and i mean and the the surreality of walking around that week the weekend of the like 14th or whatever it was 
I was walking around that theater hanging up signs that said, Romeo and Juliet canceled due to global pandemic. And I thought I was having a dream. Wow. Yeah. What an intense viewpoint that you have, like it the lens lot. through which you were able to view the beginning of the, the pandemic. Like what, yeah. a, what a role to play. Yeah. Like I always and it used would to seem joke. so bizarre. Yeah, like joke, like there would have to be lava running down the street for us to cancel a performance. You know what I mean? Like it's never yeah. going to happen. And I was just like, not only are we canceling tonight's performance, we're canceling all the performances. But even then we thought we'd be back in like a month. Yeah. Oh, totally. Nobody knew. No. And here we are almost a year, right? Like yeah. crazy. Yeah. So anyway, we got off there. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about National Valley of Canada's Hamlet. Yes. So you played Hamlet, but you weren't supposed I to. I certainly was not. <laughs> <laughs> I was not the first choice for that. No, um, no, I had that incredible storybook opportunity to jump in as the understudy for that lead role. So yeah, what happened was, well, basically in the National Ballet of Canada, they often have several casts of principals who will alternate throughout the performance run. But I had previously worked with the choreographer, Kevin O'Day. He had mentored me in Banff the summer before. So he already knew me and we got along really well. And he put me in a bunch of different roles and then also threw me this opportunity of getting to understudy the lead, which, you know, I got to go to some rehearsals, but also I had three other parts. So I, I wasn't always available to learn everything. Right. And then so what happened is they had three people doing it, but I think Naoya broke his foot and Piotr was also injured at the time. So they were down to Guillaume Cote and the staff was kind of like converged at the front of the room and they looked at me at the back of the studio, like waved. <laughs> How well do you know this? Wow. Um, I should say my coach, Lindsay Fisher, was amazing. Like he yeah. just went into the studio with me or those four days or whatever it was. And me and with Elena, who was playing Ophelia and and we just did it. And I watched the Hamlet movies on the weekend to get into character and boom, <laughs> there I was on stage. That was pretty wild to me because we weren't privy to what, you know, what you guys have going on. And what, see, we were just no, knew the Hamlets were dropping like flies. Yeah. And I was working that show and we, we get like a, a couple hours before the performance. We literally get something we have to print out that we take into the theater. That's like playing today's role in the, in the place. And I just went, <gasps> and we were like, <gasps> it was just like, Oh my God, because we should say to, like, this isn't, this was a very complex show. Like it was super contemporary. It was very, you know, weird. It's not your traditional story ballet. It's no, got a like really this wasn't like some score. Prince Charming. Not that that's easy. Like none, none of these ballets are easy, but this was kind of wild as a, as mm -hmm. a ballet. And I was just like, oh my God. Like, and I always, I had this thing like, Robert, they are always leaning on this guy to just cover up everything. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> And I mean, I was happy for you, but I was also, I was just, that's, I was, you know, I say I was the, the only time I've been nervous, but I was just like, oh my God, that is a yeah. lot. And I just had to keep, I just kept darting in and out during, from, from the, like the box office to the theater, to the box office to the screen, just, to, just to see, just to see, I was just like, what's going on? I had to see what's going and on. Here. I'm genuinely so moved that you were nervous. <laughs> it's for ridiculous. Me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so nice. Oh, I was, and I, I didn't even I, know. Yeah. I think I knew, like, it's not like I didn't think you could do it, but to me, it just seemed like talk about pressure. 
Yeah. It was like, that's some pressure. And my name would have been nowhere to be found in the program or anything. No, no, not at all. Yeah, that was, and that was honestly one of my favorite shows we've ever done. That's so cool. Like, yeah, it's up there to me that and maybe Nijinsky. Which I have never seen. Actually, I've never seen either of them from the front because I'm always in them. (laughs) You're always in there. (laughs) Yeah. But I trust you that they're amazing. (laughs) A soldier with hot pants. One of those guys. Totally. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. It's fine. No, you love it. We had the man in black. That was one of my favorite pieces. Yeah. Also by the brilliant James Kadalka. And that one was really special to me because what I've discovered through dancing that when I was young, I always imagined that I would have the best time dancing as a soloist just by myself on stage. And that can be great, but in the men in black, you're with three other people. And in the entirety of the performance, you're rarely by yourself. You're always connected with one or most of the others. And we did that show several times over the course of a few years. And we just started to, it sounds cheesy, but you know, when you, you're breathing like one, you know, it's a really um, profound experience to perform that piece. And I think that's what sort of comes across to people like that. You sort of have to have that to have it have the effect that that's needed for that. Yeah. Well, and also just for anyone listening who hasn't seen this, like this is also not your traditional ballet. It's four people wearing literally cowboy boots walking around to Johnny Cash music. Like it's, it's insane. It, you, you watch and you're like, who thought of this? And then also, well, this is perfect. Like this is a perfect piece of, piece of art. You became um, sort of for the unexpected. Like you, you got yeah, a lot of these. I, I would think I, of it as a character role, which yeah, to I me feel are really, the most fun. They are. I feel really lucky that that, has been my trajectory you know everyone's kind of vying for the prince roles and and to be more available just for these odd moments where it's like can you tap dance can you wear boots or be a clown or I don't know it's just I had such an amazing time doing the unexpected I think yeah staying curious and available to unexpected opportunities that came my way and then willing to jump in in those moments where I went in at the last moment, all of that combined has made for a really like enriched career experience. I thought of something else, but I did talk to you about this at the time, I think, was that you had to sort of save a scene where a principal decided to severely injure himself right in the middle of a scene and literally had to be drag himself off the stage like a corpse yeah and i this was this was our this was our nutcracker this was a nutcracker nutcracker. (laughs) you're in the nutcracker as an adult as nikolai the 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 fun uncle with the magic tricks which to me is the best role in the (laughs) show see again the weird thing it's like everyone wants to be the nutcracker like no give me the weird one (laughs) it's like big beard and the weird coat and the juggling oranges and shit yeah oh it's amazing it's what that I think that, yeah, that and Men in Black, they're like two of my very favorite things to Yeah, no, so what happened is the prince, it was Guillaume, I think yeah. got injured yeah. uh, at like the first, I want to say, very eight badly. counts of yeah. his solo. Like, it's yeah, like, I think yeah. he, I think he tore his ACL. Like it was yeah. like, so then I'm on stage and that scene is the prince doing a solo and 
it's literally me and children. Like it's me yeah. and a semicircle of it's a just wall children. Of kids. A wall of children on stage. And the, the gimmick is that during his dance, I'm looking around at the children and we're all smiling and nodding at each other. And that's the choreography. So it goes on for a while that nothing else is happening on stage but me looking at the children, smiling and nodding. And then it's like, this was like a dream moment, right? Where it's like, oh, like no one, oh, someone has to save this. Someone should do something. You're the only adult on stage and you've yeah. seen this, you've been in this show for like, I don't know, 20 years. So I actually knew the steps. So I did like, uh, it probably wasn't as hard as what he did, but I did a version that looked quite similar to his last like- The Russian third. turning, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like a jumping circle around and then the turns at the end, yeah. And God, the kids sort of just snap too, as soon as you, God bless them. As the soon kids as they from saw you are... do that, they yeah. joined in, because they have to start circling you, right? Yeah, they're the so professional. Prince. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They yeah. just, uh, well, I couldn't really see them. I was turning, right? <laughs> yeah, that but, was, um... that was intense. That was mm-hmm. an intense one too. And I that's why I was, I was just like, it's always Robert. It's going to jump in and just say, because <laughs> I remember you were also like, you would write like the best like articles for like the preview magazine when they were like, oh, we have to get a dancer to write an article. Let's get, let's get Robert to do it. I love yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You were very good at it as well. It's pretty much everything that's not like, Hey, would you like to be in the ballet? And like, what's everything that's not ballet? That like, would you like to do that? Yeah. <laughs> And you, during the time you were there, you won several different awards. You won a choreographic award. So did that, and did that award sort of start you into choreography? You had already been doing some. I'd already been dabbling at the ballet school. Mavis Daines has this workshop set up where the kids can choreograph their own pieces in the summertime. So I'd always done that as a student. And then I did a couple similar workshops in the company and it, it went pretty well. And I got encouraged to start applying for other things. So this one, the Clifford E. Lee Award was actually from the Banff Center, which is an amazing arts and creativity art institution. At the time it was um, this ballet intensive program every summer and uh, with a choreographic prize attached. So I had this incredible opportunity when I was 25 to go out and make my own one act ballet on a cast of like 20 people. And I had a lighting designer and a costume designer and it was just super dreamy and amazing. And I kind of haven't done anything like it since because in doing that, I got so exhausted because I was basically working two jobs. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was doing my full-time job at the company all year. And it was about the time when I was starting to get all these roles and jumping in for things. And then I was in Banff two summers in a row. So I just had like no time off and decided, okay, I've now like done something that was really a remarkable experience. And I'm going to politely put that on hold for the time being. But now here we are uh, almost 10 years later and choreography has not left me. It's no, yeah, I'm, you're I'm hopeful it's coming back around the bend. It's still coming back. And we did talk about, you know, you have, we haven't named all the shows that you were in because you were in many, many, many shows, the National Ballet of Canada. Over the course of my 14 years there, I, I was so blessed to have so many great opportunities. A really pivotal early one for me was working with Crystal Pite on Emergent, which is this masterpiece that she created. Glorious. Um, for the company. Piece. And yeah. 
yeah, so she she chose me when I was, I think, 23 to do the solo in the premiere of that piece. And that that really had a, a huge impact, uh, not only on, on my dancing and my work going forward, but also on, I think, my career trajectory, because then from that opportunity, it allowed me this chance to shine. And then the choreographer of Carmen saw me in that. So then he gave me a lead in that show. And then I got promoted based on that. And then I was put in Chroma by Wayne McGregor for that premiere because I got promoted. So it was like all these things kind of lined up really well. And and, and also I just have to say that like, I, I owe a lot to Karen Kane, who's always just been, I, we've been talking about how I tend to excel in weird things. She's embraced and celebrated my weird in a really loving way. I, I never thought that I, I should be promoted to a different rank in a classical ballet company after having tap dance. And she thought otherwise. Right. She did that for me. You know? Right. You can't have like, sorry, you can't have just like Ken dolls and you know what I mean? Like we need diversity and what people are able to play and mm-hmm. you know, their attitudes on stage. And we don't want to see like, cardboard cutout dancers like that's I think we Absolutely. should be going away from that not you know what I mean that's a very old school thing where everybody's Absolutely. the same height and the same look and all of that kind of thing well I think especially this day and age right well we're yeah. really yes yeah big can of worms to be opened there but suffice oh. to say that I think people want to see oh, uh, <laughs> a cast a right yeah <laughs> how long do we got no a cast of, of diverse humans you know yeah exactly and so after you know we get to a point where you decide that it's time to move on from the national ballet mm. of canada and you end up going very far away i do Stuttgart. Yeah. i went to germany so the ballet world is quite t- like the international ballet world is surprisingly really tight-knit you know so i had a lot of friends and classmates from school who had gone after graduation to go and dance in Germany and the Netherlands and England and the States and things. And and I never did that because I was so lucky to get into the company here. But part of me was always curious about that path because it was kind of open to us as graduates of the school. Also, based on a lot of the success of my work at the National Ballet, which tended to be in more of the contemporary mixed programs. I thought that there was there was room for for my interest and my my aptitude for that to kind of align possibly somewhere else on this kind of adventure. And then the other element is that I'm married. So my husband and I, we've been married for almost five years and together for nine. We'd been talking about my idea of going and working abroad for a long time. And he was on board also for the adventure. So it turned into kind of this two-year exploration that was one year of auditioning that was a welcome exercise in humility for somebody <laughs> who you were just listing off all of my famous roles and things. Yeah, I'm kind awards. of somebody here. Yeah. And then you go to Europe and places and you're like, yeah, I could go here. And nope. Oh, <laughs> and I started getting a lot of no's. Is part of it just that there's more, more dancers? I think, yeah, there are a lot of dancers out there yeah. looking for work, which makes those of us who have had the opportunity to have careers in these companies like 
we need to be like really recognizing that, I think. But then what, uh, yeah, so some of that audition process was a little bit painful, but a great learning curve. And the place I ended up going last, which oddly was the best fit, I wondered in hindsight why I hadn't gone first, was this place in Stuttgart. It's a company called Gautier Dance, Theaterhaus Stuttgart. And the director is actually Canadian, Eric Gautier, mm -hmm. but he has spent most of his career in Stuttgart, he was an artist with Stuttgart Ballet and then has had his own company there for 12 or 13 years now. And it is a contemporary ballet rep and creation company. So he has built this thing. Um, there's about 16 or 18 dancers in the company, but the amount, just the sheer amount of different choreographers, different repertoire, different creation that I was exposed to in my two years there is insane i think maybe like eight or nine different like world-class people i was in their show ohad naharan came to work with us hofa Schechter. i went into this residency a club guy and ronnie they are a dream we're we were really lucky in that company and um yeah so that's what i did for two years but covid hit during my second year there so i missed part of it but i had already done so much in the short time there that i was really happy with that experience, you know. Right. And you did get to film two projects. Over there, there's actually two film pieces that you were part of as well, mm -hmm. which I will link to this if I figure out how to do that, which I will. We'll get it, we'll get it in there. But we've got Reconnection that mm -hmm. you choreographed, which is a short piece, and then the Think Outside that you danced in. And I noticed that the gentleman that was the dancer in yours was, is he also the choreographer? He is of the other of piece the, of the other of Think Outside, yeah. Um, so uh, these videos are both on my website, <laughs> which go. I have now that I'm independent. Um, and yeah, it, it was just cool because uh, at Gautier Dance, we're like mostly a repertoire company, so I was you know in these shows of existing work, working with people, Hofa Schechter, Ohad Naharan, Club Guy, and Ronnie, like we were doing all this stuff, but then Eric had put into the year, um a young choreographer's evening so that the dancers would be able to make our own pieces on each other and to have them put on stage. And that was the show that we were working on when the lockdown happened. So our show that got canceled was our young choreographer's night. Um, so I was already working on this piece um, with my friends, Teddy and Joanna from the company. Um, and as luck would have it, they are a couple in real life. So they were isolating together. And then when the studio could open up a little bit that we were able to go in, in like extremely small groups, then I could go in and like observe them from a distance and finish my piece. And because I was already working with them in that capacity, then at a certain point in the rehearsal, we just like turned the room around and Teddy worked on his choreography with me and finished that piece. Um, and yeah, we just wow. had this had this idea to because um, we put all that effort into to film them. And for reconnection, that's that's the one of my choreography. We did have we had help from the theater in terms of because um, we used one of the empty stages, and they really generously um, you know set up lights and let us borrow the costumes they'd been working on for my piece and and that. But the actual um, film of both we just did ourselves on like my husband's camera and on our laptop and 
that's what you see. But I'm actually super happy with both results. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice that uh, even though the, the shutdown happened, that it didn't feel like I lost the end of the year because yeah. in a way the show still came true. They're on my fancy personal websites. You hit me with that website, Robert. Hit, hit. RobertSteven.ca. Steven yeah. with a PH. It's with a PH. Oh, yeah. yeah. You'll be able to get the spelling from the Tourism Burlington website. Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, visit Burlington while you're at it when it's safe. So now you're back home and you said you are I doing am. Some, some teaching. Yeah. So uh, the, the broad strokes of that is that I am transitioning to freelance during the pandemic. So it's like probably the least advisable like career move one could make. Um, but again, my, I, I am so fortunate that my husband has a real job, um, that he's, he's supporting me through this and allowing me to have kind of some time off, which I've never had. Yeah. Um, so that's weird. Uh, but also I have professionally this, this incredible anchor, uh, a gift of teaching at Canada's National Ballet School, Mavis Staines and Peggy Baker, who is the head of the modern dance department of the school, called me and asked me to come in because this was in fall 2020 when things were reopening a bit before stay at home happened. Um, they actually needed to expand the amount of teachers covering the contemporary dance classes because of the small class size bubbles for the students. Um, So I was invited to be part of that guest faculty. And so I went in, in the fall, I was able to actually work with the students in the space, which was a real, it was a gift because I, none of us are seeing people right now. (laughs) So for me to be able to work with real humans and not only that, but incredibly talented and, you know, um, just like, such incredible learners. Um, but it's been huge learning for me too, because I only just started teaching. I started teaching a little bit in Germany, but it's really new for me. Yeah. And I have a, you know, imposter syndrome is real. It really is. But I also think like everything that we've talked about, that my experience is really aligned with what these students who are coming up through my school are going to be experiencing yeah. in their lives. So yeah. I also like, a lot of the time I feel really nervous. And then I also feel confident that I, what I have to offer them as a person is really applicable. You know? Yes. I not, I know you're still going to be doing choreography and you, you know, you have other things coming up, but I actually think you'd be a wonderful ballet teacher because not Thank only you. you have all this, the skill and the experience and even the experience of being at the national ballet school, which is a, a plus, but you always, one thing I always admired about you is that you didn't really allow yourself to, I find that sometimes it can be challenging for the dancer to not completely absorb into a dance bubble and and be in that community and not be able to relate to people outside the community like it's a real challenge right like and it's not it's not a it's not an issue of like being rude or i think i'm too good they're just not there 
they're in their yeah. own thing. And you always, you're in the ballet world and you're doing all this really complicated stuff and you're professional, but you were taking the time to connect with other staff on a, a genuine level. Like you actually care, you know, you actually care. And that for a teacher is like fundamental. Well, first, thank you. I, I take that as a huge compliment. So like, thank you. Cause that, that's, that's something that is really important to me. It's something that I value. And I, I think I did that or I, I do that more or less intentionally. I, I, I like to um, develop relationships with everybody I meet and work with. And, yeah. um, I, and, and also I, I find that the, the ballet world it can be really consuming. And I think I need that personal, like selfishly as a bit of a lifeline. Yeah. Like I need to attach myself to reality that is outside of this studio. Yeah. Otherwise I'm gonna spiral in and in and in and down into its own stress, which I'm already well aware of that stress. <laughs> you sure, know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I I also appreciate um, all this conversation as it applies to teaching, um, because I, I even in my these are still early days for me teaching. What I am loving about it is the ability to connect with these young people as people, you know, and to yeah, just to to see them. I, I don't know. Yeah, just for us to engage in that conversation and to see them develop as humans simultaneously while they're developing their technical skills yeah and you know as teachers have such a an, just being yourself has such an impact that you can't even see and that's totally. what I think is is extra important for if any of these kids are going to become professional dancers they need a role model who's sort of like grounded for lack of a better mm. word. You know what I mean? Uh, now, I did have a couple other sort of dancey questions. Sure. For you. And one of them was just, I wonder, we don't have to name anything specific, but- Oh God, I'm so nervous about where there, this is going. Well, is there ever a time? Because I know, I mean, I have a theater background. So this is a little different. But is there ever a time where you as a dancer, you are- say you're in a piece or a show and you on a personal level are not really thrilled with it or the material, but you still have to find a way to connect with that material. Mm -hmm. What, I mean, does this come up for you? Does it matter? And what, how do you get into something where you don't feel like it really, you don't feel a, a, a tie to it at all? whether it's the choreo or just the show overall? Mm -hmm. I have a couple of different thoughts about that. First of all, yeah, just purely in terms of the material, I think it, it just happens. And um, I think I've developed enough sense of detachment from the material itself right. to at this point to just be able to be like, okay, this isn't, my favorite show in the world and it has nothing yeah. to do with the music and I would have made literally every other choice that right. is not the one that this person made um but at the at the same time it's still like 
it's performance, you just do it. Um, what I actually really struggle with more um, is, is in the working environment. If I like feel, if I, if I don't connect with the, the person like leading the room, then yeah. that is like, cause dance is so relational. It's really hard for me sure. to do my work in my bedroom here because we're so used to going in to the studio and I'm with like 20 other people all day. And that's how we work together physically in the room. And to be, anyway, so A, to be not doing that is really weird. Um, but the struggle then for me is rarely about the material. Just if a struggle comes up, it's, it's because I experience like, if I feel uncomfortable in that setting. You need to like, trust big time, yeah, right? I had this experience where it was like the choreographer came in and it was just like this person was shouting and I felt like the room was being bullied and that I wasn't given any tools and it was all happening so fast and everyone was everyone was kind of doing it really well because they were kind of, but it was kind of through fear. And I yeah. was literally just shutting down. Like I couldn't learn a single step. And hmm. I was like, how have I been a professional dancer for 16 years? I can't <laughs> learn, I can't learn a step, you know, but that's what throws me. It's just like, if I feel threatened or bullied, like forget it. I can't yeah. do the show. Yeah. But I, if it's a great, like if, if it's an experience where everyone is like respected and supported, I don't really care if it's kickball change, you know, I'll just yeah. do that, yeah. Mm -hmm. That does, that explains a couple of things. That's, that's a good way of, of looking at it. And mm -hmm. now I always also wondered about, you might not have this. <laughs> I get so much feedback that I wonder if dancers get unwanted feedback from the public or from. I was going to say like from whom? <laughs> well, people who I just find with the arts that a lot of people want to throw in their two cents yeah sometimes it's totally. not the best time yeah 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 um is it terrible to say that I think a lot of that happens behind people's backs so I'm not actually no I think to, you're 100 percent right I think I'm actually not privy to everything yeah. that's said about I, me I mean I don't back, mean so. feedback like like your your colleagues or anything I mean people talking to you like at for a show or at a gala and just get mm -hmm. <laughs> I just find in theater you get a lot of like backhanded compliments yeah, like, you know, that's oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what drives me crazy, though, is like unsolicited advice or opinions. It's yeah. like, oh, I really thought you should have been cast in this. In, or, or like, oh, like you would have been like, you shouldn't have done that. You would have been better in this. And it's like, well, you know, that's not what I did. So <laughs> like, not your job to uncast me. You know? It's so one time after yeah. a, a show I directed, a woman came in and she said, wow, you did a great job with this show. Now, I thought that one actress was terrible. And I went, well, you know who cast her, Betty? <laughs> Me. <laughs> and she was yep. like, oh, she's trying to warm her way out. But people aren't really, they, I think they want to make also make an impression by giving you like a fresh hot take. And totally. you're just like, don't try to do that. <laughs> They're coming back with don't this do that. sassy zinger. Yeah. And like, oh, I don't really need that. <laughs> yeah, so. don't, don't, don't try to do that. Now, do you ever see yourself being part of a, a company again? Yeah, you know, I, I had a feeling you were going to ask about the future. And I just really don't know at this point. Right. I'd, the only thing that I'm 
I'm pretty confident in saying is that I'm gonna I want to keep living in dance like I don't want to retire probably kind of ever like I don't really I don't find the idea of like big R retirement appealing as a dancer you know especially because I want to I don't think I have to like especially because I have you know all these other passions too those like dance that isn't so classical and dependent on a young body and uh, my choreography and my teaching and so I, I don't really know uh, right now I'm I'm looking for a bit of a mixed platter that I'm exploring right now through yeah. the teaching and and through these other um, projects that I have kind of looming in the wings but um, obviously not much confirmed right now. I do have one show confirmed or penciled in um, for April in Ottawa uh, at the Ottawa Chamber Fest with Echo Chamber Toronto, which is a company um, founded by Aaron Schwabel, who's the concertmaster of National Ballet Orchestra. Okay. Um, Yeah, so we've done a collaboration together before and he got this opportunity and we had the idea to or he had the idea to um, put our show back together in a COVID safe way, so. So this be a filmed performance? Yeah, I think it will most likely be live streamed, um, but depending on the regulations, I think Ottawa is slightly different than we are here. So they may be able to actually sell tickets, which would be cool. Um, But yeah, other than things like that, like I I don't uh, see myself in a company right now, but I don't want to say a hard no to that. I'm sure. open, you know? I'm not going to like aim for specific things, I guess is what I'm saying. I would just like to be more curious. Stay open. Yeah, exactly. Well, it has sounds... served me well in my dancing. So I hope that I'll that say, would... yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, I'd love to keep chatting, but I think I've kept you for <laughs> quite a while already. <laughs> I think I've kept your listeners for quite a while already. (laughs) So thank you if you're Um, still here. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Leave us a comment if you liked the show. If not, just push those dark feelings deep, deep inside until we're back and you can see Robert perform again. Thanks for coming. Bye. Everything was beautiful at the ballet. You know, a zombie thriller to Jensky would be kind of good. (laughs) I actually might be into the zombie thriller version yeah. of that show. Who like, I think be? it would work really well. Yeah. I have a sure. lot of ideas for shows, Robert. But Karen doesn't oh. want to listen to me. But yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. like the Power Rangers ballet would be good. Okay. See, this is uh, the feedback that should be going down for management. That's this is what, what I, I want to be hearing. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I think. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Like the. Oh, this. Yes. That I'm on board with. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and and the music is so epic. Dinosaurs. Alice yeah. in Wonderland, like cat dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell me and that like, would make money. And like scary scenes <laughs> with like all the blood. Yeah. The oh, Jeeps. this is gonna be great. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be a good one. Yeah.